The Big Shiny Robot Podcast is brought to you by the Bohemian Brewery. This is Tyson. This is John. This is Rebecca. This is Nick. This is still Tom. This is Lucas. And you're listening to the Big Shiny Robot Podcast. Cool. Welcome to the Big Shiny Good Podcast. Story. <laughs> uh, what a weekend. We got a full basement here today. Let's go around the table, save our guest for last. Over here on my left, we got Tom. When we do introductions, shut up. Next to Tom, we got our man John, white supremacist John. Over here on my right, we got Buzzkill Tyson. And we have a guest in the room. Who are you? My name is Michael. What up, dude? AKA Blanca is electric. Well known Blanca player in the Street Fighter Five community. Well known. Well known. I like, I like that he says that. See, Tom, you could learn something from this. Yeah. Not be so you're, goddamn humble. You're all the time. way too humble. That's I why mean, you lose. Confidence is. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 confidence oh, is key. Oh, Oh, I can't wait for episode two now. Oh, it's going to be good. Uh, well, I mean, like, while we're on it, I might as well just skip to it. You yeah. guys went to Evo. We did. What is that? Change of the schedule. <laughs> it's fine. Who cares? This gets released we'll whenever it. we say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do Look, episode two I do first. arrows. That means they're oh, switched. Perfect. Switch arrows. <laughs> Makes perfect sense now, so, guys. So Evo is the... They call it the World Champ World Fighting Game Championships, but I feel like it's a bad name now because, like, in my mind, the Capcom Cup is really the World Championships. You didn't bring me back any Universal Fighting System. They didn't have any for sale. I checked. So was the game dead? I think so. God damn it! <laughs> I think it's dead. I finally find like a card game I understand and can play, and then they're like, "No, that's fucking stupid." And then nobody buys it. No, but Capcom Cup is just for Capcom games. Just, so yeah, fighting game true. championships for, and it's the most well-known tournament. So that's true. So Evo is more than just like <clears throat> Street Fighter. Like we play Street Fighter, um, but uh, I mean they do Guilty Gear, Smash Brothers, Marvel vs. Cap. Well, they had a side tournament for Marvel. Um, NRS games. NRS, yeah. yeah, like so Injustice, Mortal Kombat. They had Soul Calibur six early. Oh, they had an dude. early tournament for Soul Calibur. Wait, is that cool. out already? No, not till October, or November. But How's they, it looking? It looks looks pretty good. Actually, it looks really fun. It does would, look good. I would like to play that. I with think you. I think a bunch of us are. I, were you talking about picking it up? I know I was thinking about it. I'll Casey definitely was. I'll definitely play it casually. Yeah. Well, at least I'll try PS4? to. Until I get mm-hmm. too competitive. You start doing some online shenanigans. I love online shenanigans. Yeah. That he so, does. He plays a bookie. <laughs> right. I'm all about the, the cheap shit. So within the Street Fighter, what's your like specialty? What's your like known move? Your finisher. Like, when do you use the people's elbow? I don't know anything about this, so talk to me like I'm your grandma. Stick around, because we're going to talk about Ninja Turtles with Rebecca after this. <laughs> I'm the orange one. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know how to answer that. Yeah, <laughs> my spe- What am I known for, Tom? I think you're known for that half-walk back shimmy with the Stan Fierce buffer. Oh, that yeah. That hits me like 80% of the time. It is really fun to do, too. So what was fun about watching Michael play, actually, is he plays Blanca, and Blanca has a costume in Street Fighter called Blanca-chan, where he dresses up like a giant plushy version of himself. Oh. <laughs> and it's fucking trolly. And he roars, right? And so during his matches, we were all roaring like Blanca behind him, especially Viet. Viet was getting like super roary. He was the most into it, which it was, was pretty funny. I was I was proud of Viet. <laughs> yeah, he was super hype. I could hear him behind me, and it was actually egging me on a little bit. I was like, I can't let Viet down. You can't like you I can't, can't let, let Viet down. down when he's like getting so so loud. All right, guys, brass tacks time. All right, who did better? I think we did equally good, right? Yeah, we both went four and two. I yeah. think. 
So. I think I would say from a performance standpoint, I think you actually probably perform better because you got the run back on that Alex player and you almost knocked him out. Yeah, he's a top top Alex player, number one in North America, and I came like, a couple decisions away from taking it. But yeah. And so there's a situation in fighting games they call double jeopardy. So basically sometimes in bracket play, like somebody will knock you into loser's bracket and then they'll get knocked into loser's bracket and once you get far enough, you get a shot against them again and that's what happened. Oh, okay. And the first match, I mean, you got dunked. Yeah. Yeah, you got rolled. And I, then the second match, he almost like knocked the guy out, which is pretty cool. And you played... Uh, played Daigo. Daigo, which some, was a big deal. Some Guile player. Yeah. Random Guile ran, player. Like, no one's heard of this guy. <laughs> and I did, I did better. I, did, <laughs> I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea who he was. Um, I mean, he's pretty much the reason competitive fighting games exist, I would say. Like, I mean, there's a whole community that built it, but like he's the most well-known fighting game. And he's oh. like the reason you started Correct. like focusing, like actually like training, I guess, right? Yeah. And practicing and doing all that kind of stuff. Yep. So, what was it like to fight one of your it was actually, fighter heroes? It wasn't as stressful as I thought it would be. I feel like, like we've kind of built a thing in Utah, at least with our group, where we all kind of support each other. We all go together. So, like, it's one thing when you sit down against somebody like that by yourself. But like when I sat down, I had like my six friends behind me that I play with all the time. So it was actually I felt okay. Oh, he had his crew. Um, yeah, we had our crew, and it was really fun. And what was really like inspirational for me is I actually like took my first round off of him, and when I did that, like the crowd it lit up, and I didn't realize there was like a big crowd behind me, but I could hear people cheering when it was happening, and that kind of like yeah shook the nerves out pretty. Yeah, well. I have a problem with a guy on Twitter that I wanted to get in. Oh, the guy it. that said not a good match, just I go. Yeah, and I'm like. Fuck you, buddy. So here's the thing is people like that are the type of people that like say that shit because they don't actually go out and put themselves out there. I guarantee that dude's never been to a tournament. He plays, he probably is like a silver level player that's been losing for three years. So like, fuck that person. I don't care. There's, there's a lot of members like that in the community. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you don't care. But I, I appreciate I that care. you care. I care. Oh, man. All right, let's dox him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, like, I want to wreck his life. I mean, like people like that, like, this response is like, see me in the game, right? Like, if that guy really thinks it was a bad match, he can come sit down and play me in a first to ten, and we'll see who who does all right. And if he beats me, then cool. Maybe it was a bad match. Yeah. But something tells me that you would not. <clears throat> I'm sure he couldn't steal a round from Daigo. I Correct. mean, yeah. how did that How did that feel, by the way? I well, was dude, curious. When I, when I hit him with that mix-up, it felt really good. Because, like... You were close to taking the second round, too, so you almost yeah, stole the whole game, but... I feel like... So it's, it's, it's a confirmation in the game, right? So people in, in the community like that guy that was like, not a good match, just I go. Like those types of people, they will always downplay like the cool shit that players do. And like some of those mix-ups, people are like, oh, they're just cheap, shitty mix-ups and a real player would block them, right? So when you hit somebody like Daigo with them, it kind of confirms like, no, this is actually like a rock solid thing that I've been putting into my game. Um, and he teched. So that means he thought I was going to throw him. So I like I made Daigo tech, which is like, that's cool. Like that's a cool feeling because... Is that like making him flinch? Like, yeah, so basically... So in, yeah. in that setup, right, you language. dash forward and you throw them. But you can break throws. It's called teching. If you hit a throw at the same time they do, the throw will break, right? And it kind of... It doesn't really reset the situation, but it, it, lets, it lets up on my pressure because they've paused me, right? So... But techs can be blown up either if you walk outside of throw range. Um, when they throw, they'll whiff it. Like, they'll do the animation, then you can hit them. Or in my case, you can forward jump over them and release all of her daggers. And it will hit them in the back of the head and flip them up in the air, and then you get a combo. And that's how I killed him. So the fact of the matter is, he thought I was going to throw when I baited the throw. So, like, I did that to one of the best fundamental players in the world. So like, you like, worked a strategy. And yeah, it and it worked. Yeah. So it, oh, that's rad. it felt pretty cool. Oh, that's nice. cool. Um, I that was the first time I've ever watched a 
Street Fighter, any fighting game sure. tournament. Yeah, and I was pretty fucking pissed off about it's, it. When... Dude, it's sad. We were all watching, yeah. waiting yeah. for stream. you. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason I didn't end up on stream is they were doing bag checks at the venue because there were security concerns. Uh, people had made some threats against the event because what? that's what kids do these days. America. And um, so I get so my pool started at 8 a.m. I got down to enter at 7:30, thinking I have half an hour to get in the door. The line started at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center entrance and went all the way back to where the casino transitions into the shops. Oh shit! And they weren't moving. So finally, I just like cut line and walked in, and they let me in because I'm like, I have to play. Yeah. But they didn't start my pools until like 8.30, 8.40. And then the kid I was supposed to play got stuck in that line. And so I didn't even play my first match until 9. And I was supposed to play my first match at 8. Because the guy that was running players to the stream kept coming to our pool and going, we're supposed to put Daigo on stream. Where is this guy? So they basically, because of the line situation, it got held up. Mm. But the crazy thing is the kid I played first round is from Draper, Utah. Oh, that's crazy. So, shout out to uh, Vicious Helsing. I gave him my phone number and told him to come play Street Fighter with us. He has never reached out, but... It's because you beat him. Uh, is he old enough to go? Yeah, he, he was an adult. But is he old enough? What? Like, he was in his 20s. What do you mean? Well, I don't know. <laughs> is there alcohol? Is he under 21? No. I mean, you can come play with us. We drink here, but it's just my house. A, I don't understand what's liquor happening. Liquor license. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm glad you guys got to go to Evo. Yeah, it was really great. Um, I wanted to ask uh, him some questions. Go this for was, it. So this was your first Evo. You've been playing Street Fighter for what, two years? Two, did you start right when 5 came out? Uh, I wanted to, but I was in China. Oh, that's so right. like, the, the internet there is so terrible, I couldn't really play online. <laughs> so Fair. when I came back home, I started playing. So it's, I've been playing for about two years, yeah. Their, their internet's like their air quality. Am I right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, China joke there. Yeah. What were you in China for? Uh, I was teaching English in China. Oh, yeah. We got a good guy here. Well, I made money doing it, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, was this your first, just your first Evo or your first tournament? That was my first major tournament for sure. We played some, we played some uh, local tournaments here, so I got a little taste of the uh anxiety that comes with that but uh that was my first major one so it was and that's like the biggest tournament in the world right uh so yeah the anxiety was running real high before uh the matches because you train for this for like what two years and <laughs> right and then all of a sudden you your uh your whole uh career is boiled down to like three minutes in a match you know yeah. it's it's uh, so much anxiety i don't know how i kept it together to be honest well i feel like watching you play like your first match there was a ton like when you lost to twisted rivera i think you had like double anxiety, right? You had the anxiety of like, I know who this guy is. Yeah. Which if you know the person's name at a tournament as big as evil, right? Because there's 2,600 entrants, right? So there's like, it's one of the tournaments they talk about that you can get random out. They call it randomed out at. And it's not because the person plays randomly. It's because there are probably 1,000 to 1,500 people that actually put work into the game that are at this tournament. And so you don't know if the guy next to you knows what they're doing or not. And if they do, you have to play well, right? Yep. So I think you had you had the nerves of like, holy shit, this is Evo. Uh -huh. And then you had to play him first, which was like that. And then you're like, what if the next guy is just as good as this guy? And I've just never heard of him before, right? Yeah, you just don't know. Yeah. I mean, you try to do some research beforehand, but some of these guys are unknowns. And right. uh, I, I, I played pretty bad first two games, I think. And then I finally got it together because you, know, you realize you're just playing the thing you've been playing for two years. So it's right. like you get back into the zone and uh, you try to block all the distractions out and it was a great experience, man. It's like there's no uh, the the adrenaline rush you get from uh, playing it. There's nothing like it. I, I would totally agree. Like, and the feeling like when somebody like 
like when that last part of the match hits, right? Like you dash forward, they DP and you block it and then you crush counter them and kill them or whatever happens to end your match. Right. And you realize like, I won, I'm done. I can take three minutes off. Like that like surge of like adrenaline mixed with relief is like the greatest it drug is. on the planet. How, how quick are those matches? Like, so you finish a match, like how much downtime do you have? Um, Probably... I feel like I had like twenty to th- well like twenty to thirty minutes in between my first match and my diagonal. Well, maybe ten minutes, but then like the further you get in the bracket, the longer the the faster you're playing back to back because the brackets are smaller. Right. Because people are getting eliminated, right? Yeah. After I I won my last match and I had to play again. I had to play Twisted Rivera like directly after that, so yeah. I didn't have any any downtime at all. But it's it's sad watching it. Like I want to make a montage. It's like. You have essentially like 90 seconds, right? Where you're playing yeah. the game mm-hmm. and then someone loses and they do like the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah. believe I lost to they like. Stare at the screen for a second. Immediate heartbreak. It reminds yeah. me of that uh, Simpsons episode where Lisa <laughs> says she doesn't like Ralph Wiggum and they can like freeze frame the second as heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's just like 30 seconds of just like depressed, like unplugging yeah, my joystick and wrapping <laughs> it up. And, the cord up. And, and like generally the slower they're wrapping up their joystick, the sadder they are. Right? Yeah. That's like, true. I, I, I told Tom this when I when I lost. It's like a real empty feeling. Like, yeah. what, what do I do now? Like, yeah. that's, that, seriously, that's my what, life has no purpose. <laughs> yeah. Especially with how early you are, because you were 10 a.m., right? Uh, no, day. I was you, 2. Okay. 2 p.m. Still, first day. Right? Yeah, first day. So, like, you've been training for a couple of years. You show up, and it's a three-day event, and at 5 p.m. on the first day, like, you're done. Yeah, you're and done. you just have this feeling of, like, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Mixed with, like, I guess I'm going to get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Strip club. Strip club. So, what do you do now? What's next? Yeah, so that's actually a great segue. Well, we had, uh, we had other friends that were coming up, so we... Uh, yeah, we we went and watched them the rest of the day, so it was still fun, and we cheered everybody on. But and then watched other matches. It was still a good event. Yeah, like you still have because I mean, first of all, there's players you're following that you know will do well, right? So you're gonna watch those matches, and then like yeah, you've got your crew. So like I think Evo by yourself sucks, or like with two people because Casey and I, um, Lord Bane, who's never been on the show, but people might know him. I don't know, but he and I have been going to Evo together for quite a while, and for the first while, it was really just me and him. And so, like, when we were out, it was just kind of me and him, like, wandering the floor, and then we'd go watch matches. But when you've got, you know, a crew of 10, 15 people, you go watch all of their matches because they're spread out throughout the day. You cheer for your friends. Um, you get some beers. You go, and they have, like, a – so where the stream is, right, you can see, like, a stage. So that stage, if you look past it, there's a there's a whole line of probably, like, 200 seats that you can go sit in and watch it on a giant projection and watch oh, okay. the matches. So you go do that. So did you guys watch – the big final match. Oh yeah, finals yeah. day. That's on so Sunday. Finals That's... day was your first finals. What did you think of that? Yeah, I, I'll never forget that first uh, feeling when I walked in there. It's like a huge stadium, like you'd watch sports and you know, yeah. or watch a huge mu- uh, musical show, and uh, and I just see all these people are going crazy and shouting. It's like a like a sports atmosphere, and then they're watching a video game. <laughs> like, yeah, like I walked into the future. You know, that's what it felt like. Well, and it was cool, like for someone that. Like is just started dabbling into esports. Right. I enjoyed watching the stream when it worked. Yeah, yeah, they, they had some trouble early on in the day getting the bandwidth stuff figured out. Sucked. Yeah, and, and like I was worried that that like you're gonna make it on the stream during that. But did you did you try YouTube over Twitch? So I've yeah. been tried them all. Oh, so tried it all. Yeah. And um, but when they did like the before they started broadcasting the streams, you know, they do like their opening intro and everything, like you know, hyping up everything. And you see that stage, how there's like screens on the bottom of the stage and like yeah. showing their characters and everything. I was like, 
Oh, it's fuck. This is awesome. It's it was cool. it was well, pretty cool. But then like they show <laughs> like the downside of it is there's all this fucking hype and there's like all this like. And again, it's just a hype reel, right? Right, you, right. But you can feel in those split second, you know, they're showing everything. You can feel the hype that's probably in that stadium, right? And then they, the players actually walk out to like, and they're just kind of like, doo, doo, doo. They're like, not like, right. Well, like, how could you not get like hyped? And I understand like, because, uh, you know, one of them are Asian, so it might be a cultural thing, you know? I, I, don't, right. I don't know. Like, but it's just kind of, how could you not come out to that energy? It's it's a mix. They're respectful no. people. No, you're, so so to, yeah. to caveat that, humility. so like C, uh, CEO in Orlando when we went, that was actually my favorite moment. Is so uh, Fujimura who plays the same character I do. They played like they were playing like intro music for people like WWE style, yeah. and they have like pyrotechnics and shit. So Fujimura comes out, and I want it all by Queen kicks on, which is like, one of my favorite fucking songs. Yeah. I'm like, dude, how is this guy not like doing cartwheels down? The thing <laughs> exactly. The they're just, and like, he walking down holding their console. They're yeah. not even fucking smiling. <laughs> no, like, they're not even smiling. Yeah. It they're they're in game mode. Yeah. Yeah. They're ready. No, no, I don't buy that. Have so, you ever watched like a League of Legends like World Championship? No, because like cool. same thing. It fills an arena, and it's the same. Like it's the same thing. Just uh, you know, yeah. all these hyped up like this player, blah 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 blah. And they I just don't get how you can like, walk down this aisle so to like your like Shut some up. like pick you up music that you've picked yeah. out. Fireworks just blasting off around you, people chanting your fucking name, stadium lights flashing, and you're just like, oh, I'm here to play some Street Fighter. <laughs> so I think part of it is like generally the ones that pop off the most, it's kind of like a superstition. They usually get wrecked. Um, like if you're the sassiest person coming out, usually it's because you're the underdog. Daigo had fucking cheerleaders. I know, dude, that was weird. And that like they've weird. never done that before. That whole BST team did. I was gonna say it wasn't. It was that. It was Psy Games. Yeah, Psy Games yeah. sent cheerleaders with Chris T. Yeah, and was, that was like Udo. promotional and stuff. The, and they're all like, "Why are they here?" Dude, did you see? <laughs> yeah. I, did you see? Like, I don't know if you watched any of Fudo's matches later, laughing, but the cheerleaders were making sure they were behind him so that when the camera hit him, they could see the cheerleaders, Christ. and he was laughing. Like he was visibly like he would win his match and they would go crazy and he would look back and chuckle like what the fuck is this happening? <laughs> yeah. At least he's reacting to his yeah, environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I think too like the type of people like it. There's personality types of people who are really good at video games and personality types of people right. who love spectacle. Like I'm bad at video games and I would be the type of person who's like yeah get yeah, the crowd be- going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and there are people in the FTC like that. Like I think of like Li Joe, K Brad, Yipes. Yeah, and you don't even need to be a douche about it. But I mean, just like a bunch of people are there to watch you. You could like I don't know, wave to the fucking crowd or something. So again, CEO Knuckle right? He came yeah. down the thing throwing money into the crowd, yeah. like because he won a bunch of money a year and a half ago. And his joke has been because he he left his sponsor. He was sponsored by was it, it was it was Liquid. He was Team Liquid, right? Liquid, yeah. And he left Team Liquid after he won all that money and has been sponsoring himself. And so he's been putting my wallet as his sponsor tag. <laughs> so when he came out to the top eight at CEO, he was throwing dollar bills into the crowd like, oh, I've got money. I don't know. So there are people that do that. But you're right. It's culturally different because I think there's a lot of ties to like 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 kung fu mastery and like zen right. and meditation. Well, like you said, humility. Like, yeah, right. it's all part humble. of the, the Japanese culture and stuff. A lot yeah. of those Asian cultures in general are all about the humility. And, yeah, it's... <laughs> and then you get your Itazans and your fucking Nemos that are just total douchebags, which is great hey, too. Yeah. I'd so, love to or, be oh, the bad a... boy of Street Fighter. <laughs> right, right, right. Bright neon, like David Lee Roth, spandex, and a cape. And... Well, didn't uh, Infiltration came out? Dude, Inf- did, the yeah. did the Valvinus intro in his short shorts and a towel? That was pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh, shit. But yeah, like that was because so, it was just, 
it was great. Like yeah. watching that video, like I was really hyped to now watch the stream. And then no, the first you... few matches were a lot of fun to watch. And then the stream went to shit. Yeah. And then we find out via some, was it Twitter or, or somebody. It was me. Cause, that, cause oh, that's how Tom had tweeted. Yeah. Tom, Tom wasn't on stream. I was like, fuck you, Evo. Yeah. So what's, so what's fun is like, even like my, the Daigo match was cool, but it wasn't my favorite match I played. My favorite match, I think the more I think about it was the match against that Abigail player. Because I always struggle against that match, and I wrecked that yep. kid. Ben I was took that kid to the fucking. Clears. That was a Clinton was watching you too, by the way. Oh, like I saw he, that. Yeah, he, he was text me and like got all the details and everything. Oh, yeah. And I had I had my work computer, so I'm like this is very out of character for me. I had my work computer up, and I had it split screen. I had uh, some chat feed, and then I had the the brackets up, <laughs> nice. and then I had the stream going on my Apple TV on Twitchy. Man. And I was like, yeah, let's you guys do the this. Crew, the crew. I appreciate it. John had a are question. You, are you not allowed to talk to your opponent while you're playing? You can. Or is that just common courtesy? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can like talk when? shit. But like, why would I talk shit to a guy who has a very high chance of bodying me? <laughs> get in his head. Yeah, get in his head, yeah. Tom. Hey, Daigo, your life's a Yeah, maybe if you would have, you would have won. So you're fair, humble, but... Tom. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay, I'm going so to break Daigo. So next year, yeah, I'll break him. We need shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to make a hype video. Yeah, definitely a hype video because Daigo released a hype video the day before, and it psyched me out a little bit. And in your hype, in your hype video, we need to show that you've been training with Whack a Mole just like Daigo. <laughs> what does it What does it cost us to go in and support you? So I mean, it's fifty bucks for the three day pass for spectators. Oh shit! Yeah, for the two day let's pass. go down to Vegas. Well, let's, go trip. Trip. let's get press passes. That, yeah, yeah they'll I give think we can get press passes. They will. I so I, the only reason I don't apply for a press pass to Evo is you have to buy the spectator pass to participate anyway. So like yeah. having two badges is a waste. But, but for they, us, they give you press badges. Let's go down there. I've gone down there as yeah, press yeah, covered it down there. I like to gamble. Yeah. Maybe see uh, Beatles, like Cirque du Soleil. That's Hell a cool yeah. show. I've seen that. It's so have I. It's, it's real good. With my uh, family. God, weird. Penn and, <laughs> Penn Penn and Teller have taken up residence there again. Gaga's got a residence show there. Uh, they do have a Thunder Down Under show. Oh, they do. Watch. Ooh, I've yeah. heard about Thunder Down Under All I want to do is wife. drink a margarita with <laughs> a three foot tall penis. God damn. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? I'm sorry. I have one more follow up. Go for it. I'm sorry. We're only at 24 minutes. So... Uh, you had mentioned uh, before Evo that you felt like after Evo you might take a break yeah. for a little bit. Uh, so how are you guys feeling post Evo? Like, did it did it instead kind of excite you to start playing more again for next year, or are you feeling just a little burned out? And you need a couple months break. No, next season okay. starts right champion. after the fire. Uh, true champion uh, never rests. I, I felt like maybe Evo would be like kind of the end of a chapter almost. Like I've been training for this for so long and I'm like that'll be like the, the peak or something, but it was like the exact opposite. After yep. that, I felt motivated. I want to get back there and do better, you know? So I'm like yep. even more motivated to play play and, the game, to and, be honest. And for me, like, I feel like I was very much thinking like I might take a few months off, maybe play some different fighting games. Yeah, you had mentioned that before. Um, you know, that's why but seeing like my friends do well, doing well, yeah, just like him. Like I, so I came home. I did the work week. I went camping for a few days. I came back and like I'm just back on the grind. Like I'm having more fun playing now. Even like I'd agree with that. Just because I just want like it's this weird like I just want it more. Like, what does that hmm. look like? What does training look sure. like? Like um, Tom, you have a wife and dogs and hmm? obligations, work. I imagine. You work. Yeah, you throw all that away and you like, play Street Fighter. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, do you, do you <laughs> piss it all away? You piss it away. Do you have like a set? Like I'm gonna dedicate sixty minutes, ninety minutes a day. How does that work? 
Is there an actual training regimen, or is it just like I play as much as I can when it when I can? That's more what I do. Um, okay. But I, I play every morning. Like so, I wake up at six. Uh, I take the dogs out, take care of that, hang out with Anna before she goes to work, and then from about six forty-five seven to about seven forty-five, I'll play. And it'll either be just playing matches online against some people, or like there's specific things I want to work on, um, whether it be like punishing a certain thing that is negative that I'm bad at punishing, or dealing with tough situations. Um, like after I got back from Evo, so I lost to a Balrog player, um, and that's a matchup I'm not very comfortable with because we don't have a Balrog player that we get to play with. Um, so I literally just like set up Balrogy situations and practice punishing them for a couple of days. Um, watching mat tournaments too, like a lot of my free time when I like watching, I'm watch like this weekend I watched the Taiwanese fighter, uh, which top eights tomorrow morning at like six a.m. because Taiwan's in a weird time zone, but. Um, like watching that and then you see people doing stuff you don't under like you're, oh why did they do it that way and then you go back and look up the reasoning and so that's kind of what mine's like and then we all get together every well Thursday now and play for a couple of hours a week yeah and, and how does that work do you guys just play each other mm-hmm. or do you guys get in some online matches and give each other feedback no generally not the online stuff no it's, we play each other yeah. basically I think the more uh just the more time you put in the game, the more exposure you get to it, the more people you watch that are better than you. I mean, you're right. just you're going to get better just by by practicing. You know, so, it's like like a sport. You go the more you play, the right. better you get, right? And I think it's practicing correctly. Like when you have people that are driving you and like playing at your level, it's really helpful because we all kind of started around the same level, and so we all kind of knew how to explain to each other. Like like when we first met, uh, Michael, for example. I mean, you were like a gold level Blanca pl- or Lara player. I was playing Lara, yeah. And we were basically just dunking him like for the first probably two months and then like one day he showed up and suddenly it was like oh fuck we have to try and now like you're a lot of times he's running the room for a minute like do you guys ever get worried so, that you're gonna hit a plateau where how many people get together like six of you uh, or something ten, like that ten, 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 10 to 20 mm-hmm. do you ever worry that like you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna hit a peak of how good you can get playing those same people over and over. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, definitely. Because think... if you're not bringing in someone like a Daigo who you're not playing every right. day, do you guys ever worry about hitting a plateau? I, and I think that's what Evo and traveling a little bit is for. But okay. you're, it's definitely a thing, right? Because when you play against somebody like Daigo, the mindset's different. And I think that's actually a struggle that Utah as a community has. Like, we have one, we have two players that I would say are pro level. And that's um, Gustavo and Renzo, right? Iperu and um, 801 Strider. And they don't really come play with us. Um, Iperu doesn't really play fighting games anymore. And Strider, for him, I think it's like he's so far above everyone that it's not... I don't think he learns anything by yeah, it's playing. It's not against beneficial. Against yeah, and so... Games. But you could... But it'd be but beneficial a, for you guys. Exactly. Oh, and yeah. so, so I think at some point there will be that. But I also think that one thing about fighting games now that's really cool is that there is always high-level play to watch... And so you can always find stuff to learn and break down. So like, and there, it's about small improvements. It's not about big improvements. Like, so yes and no. Um, I think, but I think playing in tournaments is where you can kind of break that plateau. And then I think eventually you kind of keep pushing each other up. Well, it's like, yeah, because we, we go home and we play online as well. And everybody's getting better on their own. Sure. So if I come, I learn something, I get better on my own and I come and play in the casuals, I can lift guys up or okay. vice versa, yeah. you know? No, that makes sense. So we're all kind of improving slowly and rising each other up. And I think online is a good example because <clears> I play <throat> a lot of master to, to um, whatever the next level of master is, super master, whatever. Grandmaster. Grandmaster players. And that's well above my skill level. But it's pushing, because they are doing that, it's pushing me to play better, right? And learn. So... I would say before like online was a thing and before there was like Twitch and all that type of stuff, it was way, way harder if you didn't have like 
a NorCal or a SoCal or a New York or a Florida where there was just a huge population of people playing. But I think because of online, because of Reddit, um, which that's actually another thing I want to mention about Evo. So shout outs to Joe Monday from r slash Street Fighter. So he runs Reddit slash Street Fighter. Super cool guy, interacts with tons of people on Twitter. He actually came to my match because he knew of me and we've talked on Twitter and like gave me encouragement and talked to me after oh, and like talked to Lord Bain about community growth. But there's also that too. And there are a lot of people, like if you're struggling with something and you're playing by yourself, something I did for a while before our community kind of grew up is Casey and I would take online match videos and record them and post them to YouTube and put them on r slash street fighter and be like, Hey, I don't know why I lost here. And people that were better than us would actually leave comments and be like, well, you did this at this point and this at this point and this at this point. And it gave us kind of a, a starting point to move forward and start to identify stuff because it does come to a point with street fighter where you understand when you understand the game enough to know what you did wrong it goes past okay i don't know what i did wrong to i know what i did wrong and i need to work on not having the memory muscle memory to do that thing wrong um so it kind of changes that way and that would be something if you're listening to this and you're like man i really want to learn to play street fighter whether you're in salt lake or you're in like hit somebody up, like hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Thomas Winkley. Go to r slash Street Fighter and say, I want to learn this game. Like there's actually a really cool community of people that will give you all of the resources you need to figure it out. And people are actually, for the most part, really friendly. And like I was saying earlier, the ones that are generally the douchebags or the ones that are like, oh, if you don't know, I'm not going to fucking tell you. It's because they're not good and they're afraid of being beaten. And I think most people that are excelling at this game aren't afraid of that. Right on. Cool. I would love to segue from talking about video games to comic books. Okay. John. <laughs> Rebecca. <laughs> Here's a question. Are we doing comic books on this episode or the next one? Uh, so I figure we could do video games and comic books and collectibles if we have time. And then I was going to save uh, viewing things for the next one. Oh, word. Yeah, yeah. we're at like 30 minutes. We got time. Yeah. Cool. What you got in your stack over there, John? Um, got, they just started Multiple Man on Marvel, Jamie Madrox. What the, what is Multiple Man? He was, uh, X-Man, started X-Factor. Um, like the TV show? God damn it. I hate you, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> I quit. <laughs> That's I know who Multiple Man is. Continue. I Wasn't he in one of the movies? What yes. does he do? Yeah. He turns so into So when he men. gets... <laughs> he's, he's a self-made he, orgy. If you hit him... <laughs> <laughs> they just he will copyright. Sorry, John. Continue. Fuck me. You know? <laughs> That's what I was talking about. Wasn't he, in, uh, wasn't he in Age of Apocalypse, like the most recent X Men movie? Fuck, was he? I thought he was in like. X three. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, it was X three. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, left yeah. a real memorable mark. Well, he was a like. I don't even. I think he had like two speaking lines. Were they also, multiple man? Fights him in the forest. It was like X Factor, 80s, not a great book. Um, and then it came back during like there was Civil War going on and all of that stuff in the main Marvel Universe. And you had Messiah, War, Complex, all that going on within the X-Men Universe. So there's two major storylines that ran for a couple years altogether. And X Factor came out in between those, and it's just Jamie Madrix and the X Factor team kind of running a PI agency, and no one bought into it. I don't know how it lasted as long as it did, but like once all the dust settled, people went back and read it, and it's like the sleeper hit of the 2000s in mm. terms of a comic book series. Highly recommend it. 
But uh, he died during the X-Men versus Inhumans thing about a year ago and hasn't been around. They just brought him back. And so Jamie Maddox, his deal is he gets hit, he splits into more of himself each time he gets hit. Uh Uh-oh. And each one of those dupes gets one aspect of his personality. And so this book, the first issue is kind of figuring out, like, you died, why are you here? And it turns out one dupe hid away in, like, a bunker, essentially. (laughs) And so he has survived, but he's now outlived the original Madrix. So there's, like, a deadline on his life, and he's trying to figure out how to live it. And in classic X-Men style, he goes to the future, there's time travel, he comes back, um, figures out how he survives... But then all of a sudden, Hulk, Cable, Deadpool, all future versions of the Doctor Strange show up and they're like, you are fucking up everything. We need to kill you. And they're all him. Oh. And so somehow in the future, he duplicated but got all these different people's powers and abilities. And that's where it's left. But Multiple Man's goofy character, it's like not as over the top as Deadpool, but on that same level, kind of dry out there humor. And I don't know. I'm curious to see where it goes. But that sounds like really fascinating, actually. It's everything I love about X-Men. You got timeline, dispersal, characters from alternate universes, time travel. It's I'm pretty into it. Hmm. When did this release? You want a beer? When did this? Uh... <laughs> it's been over the last two months. Second okay. issue just came out last week, and previous one was month before. That's not a beer. I mean, it's like carbonated water but it's alcoholic camping beer yep. <laughs> it's your before noon beer yeah. right. it's a breakfast beer yeah. um, I see there you got Revenge of the Spider-Verse Ooh. oh no this is actually for Rebecca's Captain uh, Marvel talk uh, okay. uh, we'll Captain the other talk big thing is Sandman restarted oh, yeah. kind of like restarted or rebooted no no so it's a continuation so basically what they're doing you got Sandman this is one issue Neil Gaiman actually wrote this, and it kind of explains they're about to verge off into four different comic books um, within the Sandman universe. This was great. It sets up where everything's going to go. So one's about Lucifer. Uh, one's about like his team within the Dreaming. One's about a girl who's stuck in the Dreaming. We don't know why, and she's got some demonic who's characteristics. And the fourth one, I don't really know yet. I couldn't really follow what was happening. <laughs> uh, whoops. But I don't know. So I love Sandman. I, I'm a big fan. My wife turned me on to them when we started dating. And so this makes me nervous. Uh, this first issue what, was I great. when they first announced that they were doing this. And there was some like mixed feelings about it. And we, yeah, we bought that run, and I remember it being pretty good. It was very... I'm verbose isn't the right word, but it felt very just like. Well, you're talking about Requiem. Yeah, that came yeah. out. That was yeah. I mean, it was a prequel, so it was kind of okay because it didn't affect how the series right. ended. Uh, but I hear you. It's hard to revisit something as the original writer, you know, even though you created it to right. come back, you know, fifteen plus years later. Uh, with this, what I'm worried about is a. I don't know any of these people writing this book, which makes me super nervous. <laughs> None of them have anything worthwhile on their credit. I know one guy, Simon Spurrier, is writing like a labyrinth comic book right now, which I pick up because I'm diehard David. Bowie. I mean, that's a that's a that's actually a good fit though, because labyrinth Sandman has a very labyrinthian 
Absolutely. vibe to it, right? Like I could see Dream at your wall here. Right, <laughs> I could see Dream like stuffing a sock in his pants and singing some tunes. So yeah, um, and then I don't know. It's just it's never gone well. DC's kind of got this thing where like Alan Moore renounced comic books, and so they're mm-hmm. taking all his properties and just doing whatever they want with them, which Yikes. feels really like a fuck you to Alan Moore, <laughs> but like. <laughs> You spit on us, we're going to spit on you. But they've like included Tom Strong is now part of the Terrifics. And then their whole big storyline right now, which is Doomsday Clock, is all about Watchmen Watchmen. blending in. And Jeff Johns, great writer, has been doing that. And he's trying to do it like Alan Moore wrote Watchmen. And some parts I'm like, yeah, this is really great. And some parts it falls really flat. And so I'm nervous. Like, I like... They're focusing on other characters, so it's not actually about Dream, mm, okay. and it potentially won't ruin it, but... Good. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's definitely a very big universe with lots of other characters to focus on, right? I mean, I would argue, and my wife could correct me from this, but I, I would argue that her favorite character isn't even Dream, right? Like, she's a huge fan of death, um, so they, they definitely oh, have a lot. what is she like in the book? <laughs> uh, I see what you do. You are on point today. <laughs> I feel like you're taking my spot of like throwing <laughs> jokes at the wall. <laughs> um, so we did kind of like a uh, like a book. I, I don't want to call it like a book club, but I borrowed Low yeah. from Tom, and I read that last night so that we could talk about it today. Um, really liked it. Not a huge fan of the artwork. Ooh, really? Okay. See, I love the art. Yeah, me as um, well. Well, I mean, I like the artwork um, stylistically. I don't like the overt sexual. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, there's titties like all over mm-hmm. the place. I don't see what the problem is. Yeah. Me neither. Whatever. So, <laughs> so when I started it, I read the um, preface from Rick Remender about how he had never written a an optimistic character before, and he like he had just started therapy and was like learning about how to change his nihilistic pessimistic attitude to a more positive one right and so he funneled that into this main character of this book and uh the book takes place like millions of years in the future the sun has expanded and it has like irradiated the surface of earth so it's uninhabitable so everyone has like there's three cities like deep 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 underwater where it's safe but um they are running out of clean air and they have sent probes out like millions of years ago to go find a, a habitable planet. And, uh, but the start of the book really reminded me of this play that I saw in New York called After the Blast. Okay. And it was really cool because it takes place in an like underground bunker and it doesn't tell you anything about what happened on the surface. Um, just that there was some kind of nuclear explosion and it's been a couple of decades and you people are still searching for a solution and it's all about this woman and like battling depression and her husband gets her this robot and it's whatever it's and the play there's like this robot that like maneuvers around on stage and it's just controlled by like a ps4 controller it's fun um But I lived in New York. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me relate this back to New just, York. No, that's just actually you get it, Rebecca. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was written by Zoe Kazan. I don't know if if you no. saw the Big Sick. She was the the sick. She was the oh, Big Sick. 
I didn't see the basic. Like, she's That's actually cute. his wife, or she played the role in the movie? She, she played the role. Oh, okay. okay. But, like, her uh, grandfather, I think, was a playwright. And so she is... She oh, who cares? <laughs> Can you tell me which color Ninja Turtle her grandfather <laughs> is the name for? So, so you, you saw some... My God. Let me try to re-rail this. I'm just going <clears> to <throat> pick this train up, put it back so on the I rails. So I read low, yes, and it yes. was pretty interesting, except for all the tits everywhere. Yeah. But so was this other play in New York. So. There were no tits. I So something I did like, though, uh, with the tits, um, was that... <laughs> was that they were there. Was that they were there. But also that um, I liked when they... real. So when the armor... Spoiler alert. The first volume alone is like two years old, right? Like, it's been a minute. Oh, it's... It, older than okay that. so spoiler yeah. alert the art so there's a set of armor that only people with a certain bloodline can fl- can use and that armor that's how they that's how they keep their society intact right? this armor is super powerful they can go out and find artifacts and stuff and this family the main character is the wife who's super positive and made me so uncomfortable with how positive she was but i you start i started to like her by the end yeah um but so the armor gets taken and with the armor being taken this civilization is basically fucked Right. And so they all just kind of give up. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was really interesting is how all like the autocrats basically like had like holographic, like sex pleasure rooms that they just like hung out in 24 seven. Cause like, well, if we're going to die, we're just going to bang it out. And like, there's this, there's this drug that like, it makes like, it turns everything like super hallucinatory. Right. And, uh, but yeah, exactly. So like she, goes the main character goes to talk to like the president or whoever the senator yeah and he's like can't you see i'm getting my dick sucked and it's just like a giant room orgy thing and he's like listen we're gonna die in a couple years why don't you just enjoy the time we got left and she's like no hope and i'm like christ (laughs) almighty yeah um but yeah well so I've read this whole series up to the present and like that is the beautiful thing of this book is it does not get better for these people. Really? And the characters you are reading about in volume one, it follows this family, but like Yeah, not, like, not a lot of good comes to any of them, but like it's constantly this theme of maintaining hope in situations that are right. totally hopeless. I don't know. I read this book. I picked it up on a whim at like four months sober and like it struck a chord because my life, like I was clean, but I had a ton of debt and like there was no light at the end of the tunnel and I'm trying to maintain the positive attitude like the mom. And so I don't, this just like struck a chord with me and I stuck with it and it doesn't get better. Like every volume you're like, this is so fucked. Why is anyone (laughs) trying? (laughs) Well, and you can tell too, I think he incorporates aspects of his therapy into it too because he's like your um your consciousness shapes reality and your outlook shapes your reality and i'm like i get it but bring it in yeah he like dials it up to 11 i think i think that's one reason i like remender as an author so much though is he does put himself in these stories Mm -hmm. and to me that makes them more interesting like his captain america run like if you follow him on Twitter, you know that his Captain America run very accurately reflects his view of the United States and the way things are going, and it makes that character so much more deep. I feel the same way about like um, Black Science. Like I think, you know, he writes the characters in Black Science as if he was there and how he would handle those situations. Mm-hmm. So that's I just mean about Remender's writing. I love. Um, that's it. Random rant. Yeah. I just cool. like Remender a lot. I'm a big fan. Yeah. 
So uh, that's dope. Yeah, I mean, you could break black science down to uh, placing work over children, yep. essentially, and trying mm-hmm. to make that right, but you never can because the damage is already done. Right, and, you've, yeah. and you're so locked in the habit of doing that that you can't get out of the cycle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so do we good. have time to talk about toys? I think we need to save it for the next episode. Yeah, okay. we're at about 45. Okay. Cool. Uh, bye. Thanks for listening. <laughs> this episode has been brought to you by the Bohemian Brewery, located at 94 East, Fort Union Boulevard in Midvale, Utah. Please make sure to like and rate us on iTunes.